Welcome, everyone, to the AI in Business podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Steve Astorino, Director of the Canada Lab and VP of Development in Data and AI at IBM. Steve joins us on today's program to talk about the biggest challenges for enterprise leaders when it comes to driving the infrastructure innovations necessary to leverage new emerging AI use cases, especially in new data-hungry generative AI tools. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Steve, thanks so much for being with us on the show today. Thank you for having me. Especially, you know, talking to someone who has like a divisional control and we're talking to someone from IBM Canada. I think this is a particularly great perspective to have on infrastructure challenges, especially to know where they are in the pipeline and what those specific challenges are. So thank you so much for being on the show. We wanted to know what you see as the biggest infrastructure challenges when it comes to driving AI capabilities, especially from a divisional enterprise standpoint. Yeah, sounds good. So we have, when we look at where AI is today, especially with, you know, foundation models, large language models, the biggest challenge that I see, and it's kind of across the world, is the availability of the GPUs that are required both for, you know, faster training of these models, as well as the ability to actually execute and infer uh, these models when we're asking a questions. I think for most organizations, they want to get their hands on it. That is one of the biggest challenges that I see in the market in terms of, you know, how do these get clients get started and get their hands on this infrastructure? You know, there's lots of different things that are trying to be done to accelerate that. But the reality is that we're probably going to be in this situation for a little while. But it's probably a good thing, I would say, uh, as well, because this technology has been moving way too fast. I think everyone can acknowledge that. And uh, there are risks associated with it. So we want to be careful. So I would say GPUs, the availability of that infrastructure needed for uh, large language models is the number one, I would say, challenge that we have. But there are other things that are super critical, in my opinion, to make sure that uh, you know companies and, and users of this technology are getting into the right use of it. Having the right tools is super important. What I've seen is a lot of businesses are, you know, overwhelmed, they're underprepared, they want to get into, you know, this AI space, but they don't know how to do it exactly, they don't know how to profit, but, you know, they're all having board level meetings that it needs to happen, the the business leaders are expecting this to happen, so, you know, choosing the right tools, I think, is also critical in the success, and uh, we've seen a lot of mishaps in the market already, just in the last, you know, 6 to 12 months, I would say. Absolutely. It's all moving so fast. It really feels like in the last year, life has changed entirely in a, in a very much a paradigm shift. And AI was was here and in people's faces and a topic of conversation well before that. But I think gen- generative AI on a cultural level is just way bigger than even original AI for, for reasons we can get to in another podcast. I really want to pull apart what you were saying in GPUs there for a moment. We did a big series not too long ago on, on GPUs. The audience is free to go back to that episode. So check it out for at least the dynamics so we can we can get a little deeper baseball here. Basically, as you describe it, it's a good thing that, you know, on, a, on an entire infrastructure level, there haven't been and there don't seem to be what are called step level improvements to the entire systems. A step level improvement is basically like 
the wheel, <laughs> inventing the wheel. It makes a lot of things a lot easier, you know, or the cotton gin, if you want a, a slightly better, slightly more recent example. But it doesn't seem like there's going to be step improvements for the recent future. Audience members who tune into that series will remember our guests talking about, well, when we do have step level improvements, we'll be able to take data from every single cell phone and do incredible things. And yeah, taking data from every single cell phone. Now, I know we're already doing that on some level, but even taking visual data, that is a giant leap, not just in the infrastructure and in the step level improvements, but also in the customers being comfortable with their privacy. That, to your credit and to your last answer, brings up some ethical questions. So I, I'm I'm just wondering there, you know, also, I'm, I'm curious, what makes you say, not that our big, you know, message from that last series was that there's all these step improvements coming. What makes you say it, it's slowing down right now? I, I get that sense too, but I, I'm I'm curious as to what makes what makes you say. Do you think it's the just the cultural backlash of of AI? We all everybody kind of agreeing we all need to slow down right now, or is there something a bit more in the systems behind the scenes? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, so the the availability of the infrastructure is helping us slow it down a bit, or the mm. in, inavailability of it. Then I think you know it, it's almost like in January everybody woke up and said, "Oh, AI is here." Well, to your point, like you said, AI was here before. It's just now it really went to the next level to show the, its capability to everyone rather than just maybe data scientists, right? So that has kind of, I think everybody going through this year has learned a lot more about it. That has raised a lot of questions about the reliability of it, about the security of it, about all the wrong things that can happen. There's a lot of lawsuits happening right now. And for probably for the right reasons, right? We, we've kind of dove in really, really fast. And I think everyone is now to the point, okay, I understand it a bit better. I know I need to continue to get into it, but now I'm gonna step it back a little because I wanna make sure I do the right thing for my company, right? So I think Absolutely. that's the biggest thing. So everyone is taking a little bit of a step back and being more mature about the technology, if I can use those words. Yes, yes, yes. You can, you can, you can bring maturity into the mix. No one's, no one's gonna, no one from our legal department's gonna write in to me with with some angry messages. And I'll, I'll, I'll take that hate mail. I'll take that hate mail. You also mentioned the right tools. I love this conversation, and I want to put a finer point on this. I'm seeing, and and our audience can go back in the last few episodes that it's been with the, especially with the explosion of generative AI beforehand. The C-suite management, not everybody, of course, but let's let's call worst case offenders or worst case scenarios. It was like, you want to do what with AI? You know, they hadn't heard of it yet. You know, uh, what is this machine learning? And then they have to go find it. With the explosion of generative AI, it seems like, especially with with the media coverage and the notice, now it's like, oh, you have C-suites, their kids are using it, and now they're coming back down to the data science and saying, why can't we use this gen AI stuff to do whatever we want? And what's being lost in that mix is that the first generation capabilities of AI, just the plain old machine learning, the predictive analytics, they're not even being leveraged well enough for specific workflows where they can really help in, in enterprises. I'm wondering if that's what you mean there by, by the right tools, maybe something a bit deeper. But that's that's what it, what I'm hearing for the conversations we have on the show in terms of, you know, enterprises barking up the wrong tree, not really thinking about what's the right hammer to nail this nail. Basically, Yeah, I think so. Yes. And uh, what I would say is what we know about this technology. There's still a lot of the answers are inaccurate. The, you know, it's not scalable. It's not adaptable. There's a lot of risk with it right? Uh, there's hallucination where you get the wrong answer altogether. So I think 
all of that has been helping slow us down. But yeah, so I think line of business, yeah, you know, C-suite, they've been looking at this, give me this fast. But I think there's a, a learning curve that's been happening. And I think it's a, it's the right thing uh, for, yeah. for all of us to to understand what's there, what it can do, what are the, the risks associated with it. And I think we're in the, probably, I would say, in the right place. We should leverage this technology because I believe it's going to transform kind of everything that we do on, on yeah. a, our, in our daily lives in the good. And we have to be careful for the bad because there are a lot of risks with it. The other thing I would say is the skills are not there. I, you know, I applaud the market. Everyone is becoming more and more uh, knowledgeable of the technology, trying to understand it, what it can do, how it works. I think that's all goodness. And But right now there is a lack of skill and we need to continue to build it. And the other thing I would say, look, at the end of the day, this is all about data. And every conversation I have with clients, no matter where we start, we always end up to data. And uh, there's a lot of things associated with that around data security, privacy, what's got done with that data, the type of answer, who owns it and all of that stuff. It's There's a lot of complexity around the, around this where we need very strong regulations. But you know, there, there are a lot of things that kind of get into this mix on how we do this successfully. Very, very interesting stuff. And I think you're bringing up a lot of a lot of really incredible points for the solutions portion of our show. I'd like to break these down because I think you're bringing up very distinct problems and even a few of them. I, I just don't think that you can you can talk about them. Hey, how are how is everybody using solutions? Let me go to GPUs for a second. It yep. almost sounds like you actually kind of think this, you know, this problem is a good thing that it is slowing down. It might not need a solution. Maybe the question then for solutions is how should we go about talking about being more proactive about when that next step level improvement comes, implementing it safely and ethically. Yeah. I'm going to tie it back to the comment I made before sure. about the right tools. Yeah. So right now we, you know, there's a lot of every company probably in the world is coming up. Oh, I have, you know, an AI tool. I have a gen AI tool. Yep. Yep. And, uh, but you know, the reality is that at the enterprise level, our clients expect the ability to, they either want to build their own models or they want to fine-tune models that exist out there or they want to just do prompt engineering or prompt tuning. But that's just a kind of a small aspect of it, right? Once you get past that, then you really need to be able to, one, foster innovation, but also in a secure way. I think that's the biggest challenge right now. And the problem is the guardrails don't exist, both from legislation and regulations, as well as kind of the tools themselves. So it's very easy to go off a cliff and get in trouble. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that in the market. So to me, you know, tying it back to having the right tool is the number one thing. I, I mean, I can share what we're doing. And, and, you know, we're very proud of what we're doing at IBM in terms of how we have been taking our technology to market. But it's really the ability to manage end-to-end -end the entire lifecycle in a secure risk-free and compliant way. Like, you know, I've said a lot in that one sentence, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure our clients can are able to, you know, get the innovation out and disrupt their own business in, in a positive way and then do it in a safe way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that I, I think that also narrowed down my question on the right tools. Like, where how do we think of those solutions? I think we, we got to go there. I want to talk about what you just brought up in the, in the skills gap especially what you find are, are good approaches, at least maybe for hiring or at least training in-house to develop this know-how for enterprises? 
Yeah, we've been working through this challenge also with data science and machine learning, right? You go back yeah. five, six years, most companies did not even have data scientists. So it, it, there's multiple approaches to this. We within IBM have done a ton of an enablement and education and courses and leverage our research team. Our research team has been at the forefront of this technology for many years. We didn't just wake up in, you know, in April or May and we said, oh, we have Gen AI too. We've been working at this for, for five, six years. And you know, there, we knew exactly what the capability was, also what the dangers were. And that's important to us. But on the skill side, we've been leveraging that team to enable and to train and to, we have dedicated courses specifically for it. We're doing a lot of hands-on challenges within the company. Our brand is What's an X, as you can see on my shirt here. But you know, we, we are What's an X challenges where we're getting the entire company to use the technology, to learn about the technology, to see how we can innovate with the technology. And this is a safe zone where we can do that and we can see what's the art of the possible that then we can pass on to our clients. We've been working with you know, academia to be able to strengthen these programs. And, and we've gone from machine learning now to Gen AI as well. The reality with academia, academia is that they're a little slower than probably everyone else in the market. And it takes time to, to kind of modify the courses that they have and, and the, the, the programs. And, but we're working with them to accelerate as much as we can. And there are also a lot of other external companies that are doing this education. So I think it's, a, it's an industry-wide, I guess, task that we all have to improve the skills, increase the skills in the market. And I think we all got to collaborate on that. It doesn't matter which company is doing what, but I think it's important for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to give some time to the problem of data that you had brought up before as well, but we could do a whole episode on data, especially data problems in the enterprise. We could do probably three or four episodes on <laughs> data problems in the enterprise. Let me do narrow one, uh, Do one on what is data mesh versus data fabric. Hit me with that answer, but uh, or where I was going to go with this is wh what do you find is the biggest problem, biggest conversation with data that you're having with enterprise leaders? If if you could narrow it down to one, you know, data mesh in that difference, totally on the table. If you feel that's the case, you know, I'll talk about the the biggest challenge is really there's actually two. Uh, there's yeah. two that I think are are super critical. One is the data needs to be clean. Yeah. especially for foundation models, just because whatever answer you're going to give is going to be based on that data. Maybe it's more than two, maybe it's three. But the ability to access the data is still a challenge in probably, I would say, most, if not all, organizations. The larger the, the organization, the bigger the challenge is. And you know, the way AI works is the more data that is clean and accurate you have, the, the better your model and your answers that you get from those models will be. And then the other one is privacy around that data. It's twofold, right? It's who can access the data, but also if you look at the models, right? So we can put governance and controls around the data on who can access it. But once you train a model, then that model is a generic model that users can access. Well, let's say that uh, you know, you're a more senior person in, in an organization and I'm a less senior person and I wanna be able to ask a question, we're gonna get the same answer. The model doesn't actually know that yet. So that's when you think about where we need to go in the future around this type of capability, we should be able to provide access control or role control granularity so that I can get potentially a different answer than you can based on what privileges I should have. So when we talk about the data itself and privacy and, and all of that, it's super critical that we have full governance around that, not only on the data itself, but also on the models. And the, when the models get called, are we able to 
provide a safe and right answer based on not only the data itself, but also the privileges of that data and that model. You're making a lot of sense to me, and I think you're making a lot of sense to the audience. I think I think these are new ways of, of looking at the problem. And very excited in our next episode to really dive into AI ethics with you. So we'll have to have the audience tune back in for that. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. It was my pleasure being here. Thank you. Before we wrap up today's show, and I'll give a full disclosure here, while we often record two-part episodes separately and over a fair amount of weeks time, I'm actually recording this outroduction after we've recorded our second episode with Steve. And I would like to plug that episode, even though I'm not quite sure when it's going to publish, and just encourage our audience to stay tuned, especially given Steve's last answer in this first episode, because we're going to focus a lot more on AI ethics in our second episode. And in many ways, especially for those of you who remember my conversation with Scott Zoldi, Chief analytics officer at FICO from earlier this year, you know, and by this year, I mean 2023, you know that many AI ethics problems as they occur at the end of the pipeline are PR disasters that impugn the morality and the characters of the leadership at the brand in question. And often these products begin as simple, non-biased no social issues involved, but simple data governance problems, just at least where the problems are originating. And Steve goes into a lot of really great depth on how that works, how the mistakes are made, how these mistakes happen, often with all the good intent in the world, or at least intent to cut costs and make processes faster. But as Steve emphasizes both in this episode and in the coming episode, there's many ways that just cutting corners is not worth it. And that is sort of the underlying conversation underneath both conversations about data governance and conversations about AI ethics, which very often for that Venn diagram, they're almost perfect circles, I find, the more we talk about these topics throughout the show. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast.